Welcome to Lyme Time. I'm Allie from the Tick Chicks. We are all more than Lyme disease and chronic illness, and together we stand with you to overcome and rise. I'll bring you closer to the experts in cutting edge treatments and even a few unexpected ways of healing. I'll ask the questions you want answers to regarding Lyme disease and successful ways of getting you closer to 100%. We are in this together and will not be defined by Lyme. Dr. Stephanie Canestraro's journey into functional medicine and specializing in the vagus nerve started with a painful history that ultimately gave her the determination to innovate her field and help others. Persevering through the agony of her health issues, Dr. Canestraro applied what she learned from the top functional medicine professionals to her own symptoms and finally overcame her condition. Whether she's helping an athlete deal with pressure, recommending a nutrient and supplement regime, or applying one of the numerous treatment methods she's educated in, Dr. Canestraro is pioneering an overlooked field of functional medicine while helping the world's top sports stars optimize every aspect of their bodies. And now we're lucky enough to have her on Lime Time. So Dr. Canestraro, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited to talk all things vagus nerve. And, um, and I want to start out just, I, I understand you're in Canada. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And you're sometimes also <laughs> in Canada. Okay. All right. Just wanted to say that right off the bat. Okay. And then um, let's just start at the very beginning. Let's talk about your own journey with Lyme disease and your health, health history. Yeah. So, I mean, my health history was one, even, you know, how, when you're doing functional medicine and you go back into childhood and like when you're a baby, I was the baby whose skin was peeling off. Like at the time when I was, I was born in 82 at the time I was these things that weren't popular. Like I had to wear a cloth diaper. I wasn't able to drink out of a plastic bottle. Like my skin would break out in eczema. Like I was that kind of like canary from when I was little, and, you know, things ebb and flow and you get through childhood. And then I kind of hit a tipping point in university where, you know, I see that commonly in a lot of people, like you're out of the house, you're not eating so healthy that my health started to decline. And it started off as like gut symptoms, which I didn't associate with Lyme or anything like that. And then, you know, again, got through that point in my life and I get into Cairo college and it's at the end of Cairo college when things are kind of that whole perfect storm of complete stress. And, you know, I was writing my exams, there was some family stuff, uh, all of this stuff was going on. And that's when it turned on and it was all neurological symptoms. And I had no idea about Lyme at that time. And so I was being told that I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, you know, but at the same time, my hair is all falling out. Like I, people think I'm going crazy because I'm scratching off my body thinking there's bugs on my body. I threw out my mattress in the middle of the night thinking there was some mites on there that I couldn't see. And, um, and muscle fasciculations one day I have, um, a palsy on my face. So, um, you know, Bell's palsy. Another time I'm rushed to the hospital with stroke-like symptoms and I'm not getting any answers even to the point where, you know, I did find a conventional doctor who tested me for Lyme and then told me I didn't have Lyme. And then I got a tentative diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. 
And somehow I worked through this really hard time because at that time I had an acute Lyme flare, right? So it turned on my vagus nerve was hijacked. I say, because there was, it was that perpetual fight or flight, like where I could not come down. Like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I, I was just firing in pure sympathetic. So that kind of fight or flight. And, um, you know, so that no one can give me answers. I'm in chiropractic college at that time. And the chiropractic college in Canada is more based on, it's like very medical, right? So no one had like these like answers, like they weren't like talking about my innate or trying to help. Like, it was kind of just like nothing. I went to the naturopathic college, you know, they put me on a elimination diet, like nothing like crazy. And then I, I found functional medicine through my own struggles. And I found Dr. Terry walls. And I did like this massive diet change. I killed parasites that, through another practitioner I did. And, you know, somehow I got better without ever knowing that it was Lyme until November, 2021. I had acutely, again, the same hijacked feeling two weeks earlier, I had said, I feel better than I have in my entire adult life. I said that two weeks before everything came crashing down. I was working. I was in, um, I was working with some NHL players. I was out for dinner. So I was like, you know, like just live in life. And my body went from like, like that, my heart rate went up, my blood pressure went up, the muscle fasciculations, my hair was standing on end. Um, like my blood pressure was like 200 over a hundred at rest, like, and literally like I thought I would die. So, you know, I, I had had a mold exposure a couple of weeks before and like felt a little funny after that, but regulated. Cause you know, in between the time in 2010 to 2021, I was living a pretty normal life, but that's what these stealth infections do. And you know, now I'm in this field and I have this happen. And right away I find out I have Lyme carditis. You know, I go from completely healthy saying, I feel like, of course, you know, universe, I feel the best I have. And then boom. <laughs> so oh, I'm um, sure you do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So, uh, it, but the same thing, I didn't know right away. I go, I get rushed to the hospital. They tell me I'm fine. My neutrophils are high. Like I had an acute infection in my heart. I could not get an antibiotic. And I went the antibiotic route because I was trying the natural stuff, but I didn't catch it on time. I didn't do high enough dose on time because I, I just wasn't sure because it just happened so fast. And like, I didn't know that I had Lyme because I was told that I didn't have Lyme, even though I knew I, I, I suspected like, yeah, that was probably Lyme. They probably missed it, but you know, it's a completely different thing to have it turn on acutely again, like that, and just completely like turn your life over. So I, I think I went into ER four times because I fainted. I had, my hands were numb. Um, I had pain down my arm and like, I mean, my troponin was high. My neutrophils were high. My calcium was off. And like, no, they told me I was completely healthy. This is what they're telling me when I'm there at four in the morning. I haven't been to a hospital in 10 years, you know, I, anyways. So that got turned on. And, and now I had a crash course on acute Lyme, but Lyme got into every organ for me just recently, my kidneys, my kidneys were damaged, my liver, my brain, my eyes, like, like just like riddled with it. So among other things, right. 
because we know it's not just Lyme that comes up. It was multiple other co-infections. My viral load went through the roof and, you know, and then it was the whole year of finding out, well, why? Right. And, and like knowing and seeing how to deal with daily symptoms and how fast I could get better compared to someone with like acute Lyme that, it, cause I didn't treat it until almost 10 days, two weeks, couldn't get an antibiotic. The testing I had to wait two weeks for, I mean, I paid 10 grand to go to MedCan and they told me I was healthy. Like, you know, I, I don't understand these words that people are using telling you you're healthy. Like, are you listening to me? Like, just stop it. <laughs> like, yeah. So I had like the whole frustration again with like, um, what people deal with, but with having the background knowledge and having all these other practitioners, like helping me along that are in this field. Right. Like, uh, I mean, the guy who owns Cellcor was one of the people that literally muscle tested me and told me I had Lyme before. And he, he's like, you have an infection around your heart, get doxy. You need it ASAP. Like, you know what I mean? So, but I couldn't get it for 10 days because no one would prescribe it to me here. I had to like doctor a paper of a nose swab I had done saying that whatever pathogen I had in here was sensitive to doxy in order to get it. And then they only gave me 10 days. And I had, anyways, it took my heart pain away immediately. So I knew it was like, it was right the right thing to do at that time. And then I used another pharmaceutical after ivermectin, which helped me immensely. But at the same time I was doing all the herbs, the drainage, the red light, the, um, ozone neural therapy, um, immunotherapy. And like, you know, and I found which ones kind of pushed the needle for me. And now I've been doing that with patients as well. And we're seeing it help, but this year has been really, really crazy because I work with NHL players a lot. They're like elite athletes. I'm having Lyme is coming up acutely in them. Like they're getting stirred up. They're having the fight or flight, like turn on like that. And I'm having to work back. It's insane. And, you know, I have my theories on all of that and why, you know, it's going to keep, people are going to have to know about this, right? Like, that's why we're doing what we do, I guess, yeah, you know, because yeah. your journey and my journey, nothing's changed. If somebody no. felt the symptoms that, that you felt and I felt 10 years ago, mm-hmm. still really, I don't really know that there are that many more Lyme clinics or Lyme doctors or anything in my area. And I'm in Los Angeles. So, yeah, you know, it's a very slow process, but one that I'm hoping you know, through people like you and spreading the word and, and making it your mission that we'll get it across to more and more people. So how did you go from, so you got a Lyme diagnosis then? Yeah. Okay. And then how did you go from that to, um, or, or at what point did you start the Vegas nerve clinic, the Vegas clinic? I should. Say. Well, the Vegas clinic has been since 2015. So I named my clinic, the Vegas clinic. I had already been hijacked and I was like the gut brain. Cause I worked on my gut a lot to fix that brain, my brain, my hijacked. And I started, I had concussions too. And same with, um, a lot of my athletes. So, you know, we kind of came up with the Vegas clinic as the name of my clinic before the Vegas nerve became trendy, which is it's kind of been crazy seeing like no one was talking about it. So, um, and like the whole idea behind it was the, the vagus nerve is the wandering nerve. And I'm like a wandering chiro- I'm a chiropractor by trade, but like, you know, I do functional medicine. And, um, so it kind of fit in, in multiple ways. And, and the, the vagus nerve being this powerful nerve that I was influencing through working on the gut. Um, and in other ways, um, 
became like, you know, I heart rate variability is a huge thing that I do with my athletes to help them perform better, like nasal breathing for the vagus nerve, like everything to get you in, because we're, we're in such a sympathetic state, mostly like it's very rare that someone has like too much parasympathetic. Right. And it does happen. Um, just like everything, there's um, too much of a good thing where it's all about homeostasis, but we're always, we're usually more tipped, especially athletes into the sympathetic because like the vagus nerve, I guess I'll just get into is cranial nerve 10. It's known as the wandering nerve because it's the longest cranial nerve starts at your brainstem. There's, um, it, it comes down out through your neck and it innervates all the way down into your colon, which, and then the rest of the parasympathetics, um, for the rest of your colon come from your, your sacral nerves. So we do stuff to help stimulate those as well, because they're kind of overlooked sometimes. Um, and so the vagus nerve, it regulates, it takes you out of that sympathetic state, which is that, that state where you're in a stressed state. And as humans, we can use our own thoughts to put us into a stressed state, not like in nature where they'll be attacked by a predator and they'll run away. They'll go into fight or flight and then they'll go back to grazing. They're just calm again. Like we can relive situations 10 years ago and go straight into a sympathetic state, right? Like we're on like high alert, like people are on their phones. They're comparing to each other. There's blue light going in. There's so much cortisol, so much cortisol, like not enough of like bringing down. So, but when I see athletes, athletes are more in the sympathetic state, but then there's now research of this polyvagal theory, which you can be in the rest and digest side, which is your vagus nerve which is responsible for that. You can be in your sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, or you could be in like a freeze state. And that's like those people who are bedridden. They can't go into social situations. I went into freeze state most recently with Lyme. Like I couldn't be in a social situation. A lot of people were anxiety ridden for me. So the theory behind that is there's two branches of your vagus nerve, anterior and posterior or ventral and dorsal. That just means like one exits in front of the other. And the ventral vagal is when we're happy. It's like, it's innervating everything above our diaphragm, our heart. It's that, it's that social, um, when you feel good and you can go and you can make eye contact with someone or, and like, really like get to know someone and not be in the sympathetic state where you're too, rev too high, or just completely, you do not want to be in those social situations. You're frozen, you're secluded, you're, you know, more of the depressed kind of state. So, and that's your dorsal or your, your posterior. So, I mean, that sounds more confusing because that's a theory. It's not like 100% proven, but it does make sense because when people are just frozen on the couch, they're not in a sympathetic state. Although, there still can be like high cortisol. They're kind of in this shutdown mode. So, I mean, the goal is to be in the ventral vagal, I guess, um, you know, you want great heart rate variability. And I talk about that a lot because that is what you can measure, right? Like it's hard to measure. And there's lots of machines coming out to measure like how well your vagus nerve is working, but um, heart rate variability is obviously one that we can access. And that's just looking at like, just like if you think about if you're working out at a gym and you know, you're doing muscle bicep curls and you're only bending like halfway, you're not going to strengthen the whole muscle. So the heart has to 
have some variability and the more variable it is between beats uh, and the depth of the beats, um, it's called coherence, then um, the healthier the person is in general, right? So like, and the better they perform. So, and, and you, you and never want to that. stay at one level of anything, whether no, it's- No, think bad. about like, think about it's just like, duh, 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 like the, the heartbeat is like, like that and then like that and then, you know, and like, it's so it's, it's, um, it, it, you and you see it like athletes have better heart rate variability because they also like have trained their heart in other ways. But it like you, you can see when you get deeper into heart rate variability, like with the machines that are more intense, then you start to see like how and where that they can be fixed. Because if they just do like a regular one, it just looks good because they have like a stronger heart muscle. So you can get more kind of into the nitty gritty than an aura ring or a so watch. Let's talk about. Um, sort of because our listeners are mostly, mostly Lyme disease uh, people, although yeah. a lot of them have been misdiagnosed with MS and fibro and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the importance of good vagus ner- nerve health in terms of an autoimmune disorder? Yeah. I mean, why people will ask, why do I need to work on this every day? Yeah. So um, vagal tone or so I'll, I'll use an example. That's a, an extreme example. They used to, for people, seizure patients, they would insert onto the vagus nerve. So it's a surgical procedure. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't want anyone to do this and they would electrically stimulate it. They would find that they could reverse autoimmune disease because the vagus nerve is in charge of inflammate regulating inflammation and the immune system as well. So you could force the gut to change even the microbiome based on this external stimulation of the vagus nerve. So now there's some ways to stimulate your vagus nerve with machines or manually on your own through humming, gargling, gagging through, um, like cold exposure through, I use a tapping technique on acupuncture points, um, with a toothpick, um, different eye movements, different face movements, because the fascia of the vagus nerve. So that's like, they're, they're connected to other, um, cranial nerves. So there's a lot of like different face movements. eye far gazing with your eyes, um, tongue exercises that can help to turn on the vagus nerve. So when we start to tone the vagus nerve and we start to take ourselves out of fight or flight, our body can start to heal. Our immune system can get more balanced. So we can, our body can go after the stealth infections or whatever it is. That's our root cause, because we know you and I, that there's a root cause for an autoimmune disease, right? It's not just your body attacking itself out of the blue because of genetics. It's just not right. And we've seen too many times where people can reverse it, but like, it's not, well accepted. Also, when you stimulate the vagus nerve, you help leaky gut. So if you imagine your gut lining, right? When your gut lining, say it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be very selective and it's only supposed to let things that your bloodstream would recognize in there. Like amino acids are the breakdown of protein, like sugars are the breakdown of carbohydrates. Um, your gut will open up sometimes to let immune system come into the bloodstream in order to help us fight something off. Like our body is very like fine-tuned, like magical thing. Right. Um, so leaky gut, when, when you start to have leaky gut, these 
different things that are in your gut that are not supposed to enter your bloodstream because your gut's still considered outside of your body get into your bloodstream and your body goes on high alert and it goes, Oh, I'm attacking, 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 because this is a protein that's not fully broken down. This is a microbe that's not supposed to be in my bloodstream. Um, this is a metal that didn't that you know, normally wouldn't get through whatever it is. And then your body is your immune system starts to overwork. And then just like anything else, we can have like loss of control or like, and then your, your tissue can look like one of the proteins or the virus gets in and a virus gets into your actual tissue, like they've shown for thyroiditis. So when you stimulate the vagus nerve, it actually helps seal up that gut lining. It lowers zonulin, which is like our leaky gut marker. Um, and it influences your gut microbiome to create more, less pathogenic bacteria. So they've, they've shown that in studies that when you stimulate the vagus nerve, you can actually start to change without taking a probiotic, your bacteria start to vibrate at a different level and you start to get a die off of pathogens and an increase of this healthier bacteria. So that's incredible. Yeah. So it's, it's a really powerful tool that we have at our fingertips because like, you know, there's places where it's superficial, like the tragus of the ear over the neck, there's breathing exercises, like your vagus nerve is responsible for your exhale. So, you know, people do box breathing, but we do, which is like six, hold for six, blow up for six, but you really want to exhale longer than you inhale in order to stimulate the vagus nerve. Um, so yeah, just so that's why it's important for, um, overall, overall health and the vagus nerve you have to understand is also at risk of being infected by these pathogens as well. So when you stimulate your vagus nerve, you make your own cells stronger on the nerve to kick out some of these pathogens. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm wondering for first in terms of treatments, I want to talk about what treatments you felt helped you the most. And then I want to go into mm -hmm. the treatments that you guys offer. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what helped me the most was truly a combination, but there's some things that move the needle. And for me in that acute stage, I hadn't taken antibiotics in 10 years. It was very hard for me to take. I was scared half to death because I already had high blood pressure in my head. And then I read on doxy that it, it can increase head blood pressure and cause blindness. Like I was freaked out, but I, I knew I, I needed to stay alive. So, because my heart rate was dropping down below 40 and then going up to like 120. So like it was starting to block the electricity in my heart. Um, so obviously that helped me. Ivermectin helped me a ton. And that was in the acute phase. Now, like I, it did not help me. I still had pain in my kidneys. I had liver, I had brain fog, I had sore eyes. So one thing that really helped me was neural therapy in order to drain my head of the toxins. So neural therapy, or, you know, it's really, people use it in different ways. Neural therapy, if you read it, it's about injecting scars with certain things. Like for me, it was a mix of procaine and homeopathics. Um, they were injected into my tonsils. They were injected into my thyroid and they, in that one time, and with a little bit in my vein, my brain was clear for the first time in months. That's wow. Um, so and then I got lymphedema. I got severe lymphedema. My left breast was literally like a double D and my right was like the normal C. Okay. Um, I had one of the strains of Borrelia, uh, Garini that can cause like severe lymphedema. And that was one of my really high titers. 
And I had a huge lymphedema in my right groin. I had huge lymphedema in my left breast. And so they in injected procaine in between my sternum here. They injected procaine um, into this arm, like in the actual vein and all down my neck, which also helped clear the vagus nerve. And like when it opened up, cause what the, the procaine is like an anesthetic. Like if you think of lidocaine, that's how they freeze your teeth when you're, um, going for dental work, right. Or, or surgeries, they use it for tons of stuff. Procaine is the more kind of natural version safer. Okay. Um, it's very bitter because you you taste it. So you can think about how it stimulates like the liver, smooth muscle, it calms it down. Um, and it also turns into B vitamins once it enters your body. That's what it gets broken down into and an anti-inflammatory. But first what it does is it paralyzes this, whatever it's, it's injected into. So the tissues that have tightened up and the fascia that's like tightened up and it's holding those toxins and those bugs in there, they release for a second. And I'll tell you the first time I had it injected around my, my breast, my heart went pop, 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 pop. Like I had, cause I was having bad palpitations, but they had kind of gone under control and then they just were coming like, and it was as my lymph drained through my heart it, to exit my body that I just felt all of the toxins going through and affecting like the electricity. And then I felt calm. Like I felt way calmer. I wasn't congested. Cause if you think of your lymph here and it congests up here, this is where your vagus nerve is pretty. So you're in fight or flight toxins are just all against it. Right? Like, so you have to open up your, your lymphatics. Lymphatics are hugely, hugely overlooked and people think they're working on lymphatics and they're not, you can't just do very light work when it's deep lymphatics. I'm a chiropractor by hand. I have a soft tissue specialization, like to clear some of that, you can't just do light touch when, when you have this huge lymphedema, you have to get the deeper lymph to move up and out. So that is it, like helped me probably, I would say the best, cause I had my kidneys injected, my liver injected. Cause my kidneys had protein in them. I had kidney pain. The pain was going down into my SI joints, wrapping around the front of my hips. Terrible. Kidney pain is terrible. Kidneys instill fight or flight kidneys. When they're stressed, you're in fear and, and like you felt that release. So it was sore cause they go deep and almost like right by your adrenals and you have to find someone skilled. And I was lucky. Um, but now I've learned, I'm trying to learn neural therapy. I won't do it to people. I just want to know more and more about it because it's super helpful. And then also you got to think of these blockages points. My other point was at my groin, right? So I had this lymphedema and that's where some of my weird symptoms started. I had like this one node that was like blown up and I, like, I felt completely fine, but I kind of had that. And I was like, that was weird. So they injected something called a Frankenhausen injection, a modified one where they inject right above your, um, your pelvic bone and they flush it with five milliliters of procaine or four. So you fill up that area and it flushes it. And, oh my gosh, I had lots of die off symptoms. I had, or hurts. Like I had to take a lot of binders. Binders are huge for me. Binders saved me through all of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was really well versed with cell cores binders, the humic and fulvics. They helped me a ton. Um, I found some other ones through this. And then I found a clay binder that helped me so much because histamine was a huge problem. And once I lowered that histamine, we could get my heart more under control. I was getting less rashes. Um, you know, so 
that was like a, like one of the things that really pushed the needle too was finding that supplement, utilizing it. It would quelch my, um, anxiety when I went into that fight or flight. Like I felt like I wanted to jump out of my skin, like, and I felt like I couldn't breathe and, you know, it would happen. Like, you know, I was still like, this was like, you know, seven months in, I tried to get on a flight and oh my gosh, it just like all built up. And I, so I take that binder, I tap, I tap my points with my, my toothpick. I take my GABA, I take my ginger to help my liver clear. And, and I've realized through this, that a lot of those symptoms come from the backed up liver, the backed up gallbladder. And I, I coach people not eating on planes, like all like, like keeping everything flowing on planes. So lemon, even if you have to bring your own lemon on a flight, um, you know, having your binders on hand, having GABA, something to calm your nervous system. And then another thing is massaging the organs. So this is what I found with some Lyme patients and, and otherwise too, just other stealth infections or toxic overload. When you can work on these areas, a lot of people burp, it's a neurological reflex and you're releasing something. So I get people to utilize burping a lot. So, and that was through my own problems. Like I can push on my liver and when it's sore and I can release the pain with burping. And I've had that on multiple people now and people thought I was crazy. So, um, I still don't know the exact mechanism of that. If it's like a reflex or, or if it's, you know, I know that people's gut is getting completely toxic through all of this. So, um, or maybe it's even a precursor for it, but you know, there's always that kind of tipping point and the guts involved a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, neural therapy. And then the other thing was immunotherapy for like a year before the one thing I couldn't get under control was this Marcons in my nose, which if people aren't familiar with Marcons, it's like a staph infection, but it shouldn't be an infection. It's part of your normal nasal flora, but it overgrows and it becomes resistant to like antibiotics and it, and it fills up your nasal passage. And when you don't get good oxygenation at night. So this is another thing with, um, Lyme patients or anyone with these chronic illness, like, I want to know, how are you breathing at night? Like, do you have nasal patency so you can nose breathe? Because that's how you turn on your vagus nerve. Where's your tongue sitting in your mouth? Do you have a tongue tie? Do you have, um, like a lip tie? Do you have, is your, is your airway patent like patent? I don't know the word patent. Um, so because that oxygenation of tissue is half the battle. And for a year, that was the one thing I couldn't get rid of. I wasn't breathing properly. My nose was stuffed. And now I've also found tongue tie and everything, but low dose immunotherapy cleared that up in one dose under my tongue, under my tongue. It's like a homeopathic. It's like a mix of mold, all these other environmental kind of toxins or like biological toxins, like that you get exposed to allergens. Sorry, that's a LDA, a low dose, like allergen or whatever it's there's LDA and LDI and LDA was the first one I took. And I'm talking, I was passing parasites through my nose. I was doing these crazy rinses, all of this stuff. And, um, my nose was getting better. I did silver. I did, um, you know, one that did have a bit of doxy in it to kill the Murcons and it was still there. And that load LDA under my tongue was gone for three months. And that helped me heal a lot too, because I could breathe better and I didn't have those toxins going into my brain. So if you think of above the collar infections, huge, right? Yeah. Dental work, nasal infections, like, you know, all of that 
like your brain is your control center. Your vagus nerve comes from your brain. And once it's toxic in there, like your body just follows suit. So, um, yeah, LDAs and LDIs, neurotherapy, certain binders, getting the liver draining lymphatics, 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 red light and frequency treatments. Um, so FSM. Yeah. And where did you go for the neurotherapy? So I found a gentleman here in Canada, which were, it's not, it's like a gray area here. So I'm not really at liberty to, yeah, but there's a, because I'm thinking of the procaine injections, which I've never heard of, but I'm very interested in them and wondering what kind, what type of doctor would do those injections. So naturopaths and, um, in the States and MDs, um, dentists, it started with a dentist. It was found because the dentist had a sister that was having chronic migraines and she injected his sub her suboccipitals with procaine and she had relief for the first time in years. And then it grew from there. So the, the main, if you look up neural therapy, it's going to talk about interference fields, Mm-hmm. scars. They inject a lot of scars. Your tonsils can be an interference field, lymphatic organs. Um, you know, people with belly button rings, any surgeries, C-sections, all of that. Cause the energy doesn't run through your body as well, but then there's people that have taken it above and beyond that. And they're injecting like how I explained, and there is, um, a directory, which maybe we can put at the bottom here. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's all the people doing neural therapy, um, that, uh, in the, uh, the States and Canada, at least, right. or actually it might be in Europe as well. It is, there is very, very popular in Europe. Cause that's where they go to learn it. They they're teaching it now in Canada and the States, but I mean, I mean, I, and I've sent a lot of people for it now and it is, it is a game changer for a, a lot of people. Like I can say I have one person out of like 50 that haven't had profound changes from wow. this therapy. That's incredible. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and then, so what treatments do you offer at your clinic in Canada? So we're, we're in Canada, but we're virtual. So, I mean, I, I have an in-person practice with athletes for um, like the treatment stuff. And we, we have trained other people and we're going to do a course on soft tissue, because like I said, we have a soft tissue specialty and it is important as well. Like I got treatment a lot. Luckily my husband had learned my colleague. Um, she treated me a ton because these toxins get stuck in the fascia. If we can't get rid of them, they're going to stay there. Some people, you're not ready for deep fascial stuff when you're in an acute phase, it can really stir stuff up, but it is like a hundred percent part of getting you over the hump. So we offer that and we're training people again again, like I said, in multiple different States, and we're creating a directory for our athletes, which then will trickle down to everyone else of these, uh, these people that are very talented at their, uh, fields, like, or, you know, be it fascial neural therapy, we're trying to create like a directory so that you can find good care wherever you are, at least in the States and Canada for now. Um, so that's going to be so helpful for so many people. Um, yes. So right so, now you're mostly tr- treating athletes at your clinic. No, no, we have. Um, so that's what we're doing in person right now. Uh, me personally, but my okay. colleagues are treating uh, regular patients in, in person. And then we do functional medicine um, 
functional slash bioregulatory medicine, whatever you want to call it. We're trying to get to the root cause with all the supplements and stuff, because I mean, I didn't mention like all the tinctures that I was taking, all the things we found and we worked through homeopathics, liver support, all that. So we're, we're trying to be like your person to help you find those other people that are going to push along. But at the same time, we have your base things that helps not only in the background, like profoundly as well, like liver support. Like I said, the binders finding the right one for you, because we're, we're doing testing, which we can do anywhere. Now we can drop ship it. Someone does like the stool test. Um, we do the vibrant labs, um, uh, tick-borne 2.0. Sometimes we're using DNA connections for the urine. Like we're, and you know, we're, we're, we're gathering all the information for people that they can pass on to their other practitioners as well, but we're getting them their base kind of protocols to work through. So we work through the different stealth infections. Once someone's ready, once we have them like, um, draining and we've binded, we've gotten them out of the acute. Maybe we've worked with another practitioner that could, if they, if they needed pharmaceuticals, which most of the time we don't. And I used to be a hundred percent against them, which was wrong. Right. Like, I don't think that, I think there's a time and a place for everything. Um, but I, most of the time with like chronic, it's not going to help at all. And like, I know there's evidence of it going, driving the infection deeper and, you know, hiding more in biofilms because we know Lyme and these stealth infections, they're, they're pleomorphic, which means I use the word shapeshifter, right? So just like I had Lyme inside my body, it was not, it was not in an active form, but something dysregulated my immune system or tox gave me enough toxicity that they took the opportunity to shift into their, their form where they're now procreating. And then you have literally trillions in your body infecting like every cell. The thing with Lyme is when you test it, like, okay, they did my neutrophils, my neutrophils were high. I clearly had a bacterial infection, but when you culture blood, does Lyme show up? No. Cause does Lyme stay in the bloodstream? No, no, it goes into cells. It goes into biofilm. Like these And like, you know, there's evidence of the bug being manipulated. Like it wasn't like this before Mm. people used to get Lyme, get sick for two weeks. And it wasn't like a lifelong, it's going to be there. It was like, your body knew how to clear it up. And I don't know if it's because they made the bug more toxic. There's like Plum Island and all all of that kind of like, you know, um, modification, like using ticks, like all of this, like kind of gain of entry stuff where they're trying to learn more about a bug, but it ends up, you know, getting into circulation. I don't know. All I know is that like, it's becoming a major problem or are we just way more toxic and putting up with way more different radiation, different chemicals, like what, like not grounding, like not, you know, like having community, like they're all those things play in and, um, and like, but you know, I'm just like really, really wanting to know the why of, but anyways, I I am too. I think it it must just be a, a, just a matter of all of the things coming together and a little bit of everything. Um, plus some environmental shifts where, you know, big major cities are starting to grow into the suburbs and into more forested areas. And so people are coming into contact a lot more with ticks in my, in my home state, the, 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 um, the alpha gal is 
huge and out of nowhere. So now the school wow. children, just like in, instead of a peanut allergy, their parents will write mm-hmm. in and say, this person has, you know, an alpha gal allergy to, to me now. And, and so it's becoming just crazy. Um, so I'm glad that you can treat people virtually in the States as well. And, and I, I just, I love your, your Instagram and your, and all your website talks a lot about, um, you know, Vegas drainage and Lyme disease. And there's just a lot of helpful information in there for all of our listeners. Can you uh, tell them everywhere that you can be found? Yeah. So we have our Vegas clinic at Vegas clinic, um, Instagram, which, and, you know, we're working on like getting way more blogs out and everything, because as you know, you're seeing patients day to day for me, that was my focus. It was really hard for me to create. So we've started to get a team together so we can get it out regularly. Um, my Instagram is at Dr. S Canistrero, um, which I feel like not as easy to find, but it's, if you, if you look up Stephanie Canistrero, you'll find it. Instagram is where we're most active right now. Um, and then vegasclinic.com or healyourgutfirst.com is our URL or our website. Um, again, working hard to get a lot of information out there for people. Um, go ahead. No, but you go ahead. I was just going to say that, um, you know, there's some new research on multiple concussions and Lyme disease. And I'm sure you're coming across that with your athletes. So I just want to put it out there to anybody out there. Uh, I just hosted a Lyme disease conference uh, retreat and we had some people there that own a martial arts, um, you know, the big kind of martial arts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, Taekwondo. Um, like MMA stuff. Yeah. And, and then we had, um, a neural neurologist, uh, f- come in from Florida and the things that they are putting together about trauma to the body and Lyme disease and concussion and multiple concussion is kind of crazy. I know. I I literally have seen this it's, and it's coming up now more than ever. Like I had these athletes, they all had previous concussions before, but they weren't coming down with these like debilitating, like syndromes, whatever you want to call them. Cause like, it's a different cause for each of them, but their presentation is quite similar. Um, and it's like these stealth infections and this toxic overload and this like, like pair, like, you know, like drainage problem. And it's like, we're just getting so stopped up from the toxicity. And then that's just one of the precursors that make you more likely to be a victim of these Oh yeah. Debilitating symptoms. Oh yeah, for sure. And and then let's talk briefly about, I noticed that you, um, you will offer parasitic cleanses. Um, or you talk about it on the full moon. Um, is this something that people should be in the habit of doing every full moon? I know some doctors are, um, they do it themselves every full moon. Yeah. So it's funny because I was saying it was like the longest that I hadn't done a parasite cleanse that kind of this kind of happened to me because like it was lowering my toxic load. And then something that popped into my head was we know Lyme lives in and on parasites and I was never treating Lyme, but I was releasing these parasites. So I'm kind of now working on like making sure you have a little bit of herbs that will lower Lyme when you're 
eradicating these parasites, but in like the, you know, healthy population, like what we kind of share with patients is, you know, historically in any tribe or any, like anyone that was actually in touch with like the actual things that go on in our body would do a purge every year. Right. And they would purge bugs that like things that shouldn't be in them. And we kind of lost that. Right. We don't, we don't do anything. We're not taught that. So I think it like lowers the load overall. So we, uh, parasite cleanse changed my life. It was one of the things and, and it was right before, um, you know, I, I have, I got told I have celiac disease. Like I had all this destruction of my gut and all of this. I did a parasite cleanse and I, I had bowel incontinence. So like I would literally be in the worst situations and literally crap my pants. Like on multiple occasions, I've got, had to go to the washroom in the car in a cup. Like, so it turned that off for me. And I had wow. regular bowel movements for the first time in my life. And like, to the point where like, you know, I, I, that's not one of my worries, like that comes on anymore. So that was really one of the life-changing events for me. And obviously, so then I, I saw that with a lot of people too, where they start to purge parasites and they, you know, drop this excess weight or they lose their brain fog or they have whatever it is. It's, it's more profound for some than others, but, um, for me, it was a profound shift. So that's how, uh, that's like one of our kind of pillars. We do always kind of address that parasitic load because we know we all have parasites. Sure. And, and for those out there that don't understand the relevance between a full moon and parasitic activity, the full moon tends to stir things up, whether it's, you know, the fish jumping in the ocean or microbes in your body, whatever it is, it's, it's, it stirs them up and they become most active. So the, the theory is, is that they're easier to kill when they're the most active. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. Well, thank you for joining us. I, any, do you have any parting words for our listeners today? Well, I just really think that, you know, you can get over anything like your body does have that ability to heal. It just needs the proper help. So, you know, just have faith in that you can clear out stuff. I, I have lived through it myself. I've seen other people, they've been completely incapacitated. So, you know, find the right people. And I want to be part of finding the right people for, for everyone. And, and just like, you know, hope is a big thing too. So, you know, knowing that you can do it. So I just hope that that's what people got from this episode is that you really can heal. I think they did. And, um, everybody give her a follow and thank you again, Stephanie for coming on. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was amazing.